to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. Our text here is Revelation 22:12, and it says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man, what does it say? According to his works, or according as his work shall be, right? Give every man according as his work shall be. Now, the question is, of course, he says, I come quickly. The reward is with me. The question is, if the saints are already in heaven, what are these rewards? What are these rewards? Well, let's go a little bit farther back to the context, okay? Revelation 22.11 says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So in other words, the Lord is simply saying, he that is filthy, stay that way. And he that is righteous, stay that way. And as we learned before, the ones that are filthy or unholy are beyond repair. They have told God to talk to the hand that they don't want his help. And so there's nothing more that God can do for them. And so God says, I can't help someone that doesn't want help. So stay that way. There's nothing else I can do. But for the righteous, he says, stay that way. You are so settled into the truth about me that you can't be moved. But there's others that are so settled into the lie about God that they can't be moved. So, he says, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according according to his works. So, you have those that are going to get one reward, and those that are going to get another reward. Are you with me? Okay. Now, let's go and see when they get this reward. In John 6.39, it says, and it is the will of him, this is Jesus speaking, the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose any of those any of all of those he's given me, but that I should what? Raise them all to life on the last day. When are they raised to life? The last day. Now Jesus echoes this because that's the will of my Father, he says. Now he echoes this. And he says, he will do that. Okay, notice what he says. For what my Father wants is that all who see the Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. What's the context? Eternal life. And I will raise them to life on the last day. When do they get that reward? The last day. When Jesus comes 
their reward, eternal life. The lost, eternal death. Behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the other question, it's kind of part of the same question. If the saints are immortal, then why are the streets of the new Jerusalem lined with the trees of life? Who will need fruit from the trees of life? Okay. Good question. Everybody think that's a good question? I think that's a good question. Let's go to Revelation 22.14. This is, this is the text that we're talking about. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates of the city. Let's go back, because did God create man on the sixth day? And what did he say after he created man? Everything was very good. Was there any death? Did man have right to the tree of life? Man did something to forfeit it. God created man to live forever, did he not? But man did something to forfeit that. Let's, let's look at Genesis C. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and what? Live forever. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Uh, another version puts it this way. This was to keep anyone from coming near the tree that gives life. Why? Because man was in rebellion. And God doesn't run his universe that way. He's not going to have a bunch of people that are in rebellion living forever. So the gar they, they were cut off from the tree of life. Now you say, well, if man was immortal, why does he need the tree of life? You can be immortal. You can live forever. It doesn't mean that your source of life is you. Our source of life is God. And it's illustrated by man needing the tree of life to live forever. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, we don't want to confuse the source of life with living forever. God is our source of life, and we need to understand that. And if we don't understand that, we won't live with him forever. That is running on our own power. We don't run on our own power. I've proved that. Have you proved that in your own life? I don't run on my own power very well. So God is our source of life. So we can be... We can live forever, even though our source of life is something outside of us. Okay? Let's look a little bit. Now, let's talk a little bit about some facts that are related to our topic tonight, okay? In 1992, 23-year-old Karen Norman accidentally backed her car into Galveston Bay after a night of drinking. Norman couldn't operate her seatbelt and drowned. Her passenger managed to disengage herself and make it to shore. Norman's parents sued Honda for making a seatbelt that their drunken daughter, nearly twice the legal limit, couldn't open underwater. What do you suppose happened? 
A jury found Honda 75% responsible for Karen's death and awarded the Norman family $65 million. In September 1988, two Akron, Ohio-based carpet layers named Gordon Falker and Gregory Roach were severely burned when a three-and-a-half-gallon container of carpet adhesive ignited. It ignited when the hot water heater it was sitting next to kicked on. Both men felt the warning label on the back of the can was insufficient. Words like flammable and keep away from heat didn't prepare them for the explosion. They filed suit against the adhesive manufacturers, Parachem. A jury obviously agreed since the men were awarded $8 million for their troubles. Americans' litigiousness and thirst for massive damages has been a boon to the legal profession, has it not? Which leads us to our question for tonight. What happened to God's law? Um, about two months ago, and I got her okay to put the picture up here, even though she didn't want me to. I got to get everything cleared, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Michelle was talking about laughing at the expense of someone else. We don't want to do that here, folks, okay? We don't do that. Yeah, but I'm glad she brought up endogenous morphine, uh, endorphins, okay? Tomorrow night, we're going to talk a little bit about that before we, we get into our second coming presentation. So uh, it'll be very interesting. Anyway, we went to Hawaii a couple months ago. She finally talked me into it after 16 years. We had a great time. We had a good time. But um, I did a little surfing while I was there. And I don't know, Susan took this picture, and I was amazed. She was surfing better than I was to get the picture. You know? And we stayed, we stayed over on the Big Island. We came back for three days and stayed here at Waikiki, and we stayed way. She knew what she was doing. She used to live there. And we stayed way on the end in this hotel so we weren't in all the traffic and all the madness. And we had a good time, and we were right at the very top, so we could walk out our balcony, we could see everything. But the problem was, woke up the next morning, I woke up the next morning, she never slept, because the people down below were partying all night. They were hooting and howling and yipping and all this stuff going on, and she was so angry, she said, I want to go down there, and I want to I, I just beat on their doors down there, I want to wake them up, and this and that. And She was furious, didn't sleep all night. And so... Anyway, we, we were right at, we walked across the street and we bought tickets and the zoo's right across the street. And then we went in and when we got over here by the rhinoceros, we looked over and it said uh, the wild dog cage was there. It was the wild dogs that were yipping all night. She thought it was somebody partying. <laughs> so the wild dogs kept us up. So the next night we sat up there with rifles and a three to nine leopard. No. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. But anyway... So we're, here's Waikiki, and right there's a pier that comes out, right? And the last day we were there, we walked out on that pier, and there was a guy there. You notice that these, these are uh, called zebra doves, okay? And the guy was out there. This is his little mission that he does, and he's out there, and everybody's got bread. You see, everybody's got bread in their hands, and the zebra doves are just all over. And this one lady had two, and they had, she had doves all down this arm, all down this arm, and that's Susan right there. And she's got them on her arms. Everybody's got these zebra doves, and all they got is, uh, what attracts them is the bread. 
You know, and I'm walking away going, I mean, that's what it, Jesus is, the bread of life. If he could attract people like those doves did, they just come to the bread. Just come to the bread. Now, later on, at the end, I'll tell you why this guy does this. It's amazing what this guy does. But Jesus is the bread of life, isn't he? Now, I want to make a, a, dis, a definition here before we get started, because this ties in a little bit later into our presentation. John 3.16, the most famous, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die but what? Have eternal life. Number one, what are the two options? Dying or eternal life. Those are the two options. But it says everyone who what? Believes. Believes. Everyone who believes. But the problem is, and I always draw a pair of comparison to there's another text in the Bible that says, you believe there's only one God? Good. The demons also believe and tremble. Some versions say tremble with fear. So what does it mean to believe then? We have, you, you know what I mean? I mean, I believe George Washington's on a $1 bill. Is that going to do anything for me? No. See, so the demons know God. They know of his power. They're scared to death of him. And I know some Christians that know of God and know of his power and are scared to death of him. So what's the answer here? Well, that word believe in the Greek is pistiu, to have faith in. But I've got it underlined here by, implica by implication to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ, to commit to trust, everyone who trusts him. That's different than just simply acknowledging that he existed or exists. Do we trust him? That is at the root of our presentation tonight, believe it or not. Anybody like cockroaches? Huh? You ever had fried cockroaches? Anybody? If you did, don't raise your hand. Please. Cockroaches. Interesting little guys, aren't they? Yeah. Cockroaches are mainly nocturnal and will run away when exposed to what? Light. You know that people are like that? This is how the judgment, this is John 3.19, this is how the judgment works. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because of why? Because their deeds are evil. People love what? The darkness, just like the cockroaches. Those who do evil things hate the light and will not come to the light because they do not want their evil deeds to be shown up. Okay? In order to run experiments in the dark, the chamber is equipped with a red light that is visible to the humans, but not the cockroaches. So as we run to the darkness, just like the cockroaches, and we think we're in the darkness, we're not, just like the cockroaches. They think it's dark. They can't see. You with me? John 3.21, But those who do what is true come to the light in order that the light may show that what they did was an obedience to God. Ooh, there's that scary word, obedience. 
Huh? Why did they come to the light? To show that what they did was in obedience to God. How many of you like eating in a dark restaurant? It's romantic, isn't it? You like it romantic? Yeah, no way. I gotta know what I'm eating, folks. You know what I'm saying? How many of you check the restroom out before you eat in a restaurant? That's the first place I go, because if they're going to keep the, re the restroom dirty, they know you're going to see that. What do you think the kitchen's going to look like? That they know you're not going to see. Everybody's going to check the restrooms now, aren't you? Huh? I, I don't like eating in a, in a dark restroom. Re restroom. <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Anybody like dark restrooms? Here's why. Here's why. A bright beam of the sun introduced into a room shows millions of tiny specks of dust. The particles were not introduced by the light. They were there before. Only there was not enough light to make them visible. What does the light do? It makes the particles show up. In the same way, evil was there before. But there wasn't enough light to discover it. The law is only the means of disclosing our sinfulness, not of producing it, nor of fixing it. All it does is reveal it. Now, do you remember in Exodus 33 when Moses asked God, Hey, Lord, please show me your glory. Remember that? And God said, you can't handle it, Moses. You can't handle it. In fact, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. This is what I'm going to do with you. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll put my hand in the cleft. And when I go by, I'll take my hand off, and then you can see my backside. That's all you get to see, because you won't be able to handle it. Okay, Moses says, okay. So, God, so Moses says, God, let me see your glory. I want to see your glory. God agrees. Okay. Okay, you want to see my glory? Go get two tables of stone. And then I'll show you my glory. You get two tables of stone. You come up the mountain. I'll show you my glory. Okay? Exodus 34, 1. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning. And come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. Where does he say? On the top of the mountain, right? So Moses cut two tables of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on the Mount Sinai. And as the Lord had commanded him, he took in his hand two tables of stone. How many times have the tables of stone been mentioned? I mean, he asked to see his glory. And God says, we need the two tables. If I'm going to show you my glory, you've got to have the two tables of stone. And the Bible is very clear that Moses got the tables, and he took them up the mountain. And the Lord descended in the cloud. Where's the Lord at? In the cloud. Where's Moses? On the top of the mountain. And he stood with him there and proclaimed the what? The name of the Lord. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. And then you know what happened? He put him in the cleft of the rock, and he did as the Lord described. He put his hand over, and he passed by. Notice. 
the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Is there anything to be afraid of there? No, there's nothing to be afraid of there. Is there any law against those qualities? There's not a law against being merciful. There's not a law against being gracious. There's not a law against being slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There's definitely not a law against faithfulness, is there? So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. Let me ask you a question. Did you do that? 40 days, 40 nights. No gizmos. No TV. No texting. No telephone. Forty days. Forty nights. Communing with the Lord. Could you do it? Would you want to do it? Or would you want to run and hide a little bit? I mean, is when worship service is over, you kind of had enough of God, and you're just kind of ready to go, boy, i got to get that out of the way. Forty days and forty nights worship service. Talking to God, one-on-one. Forty-day prayer. Could you do it? Would you even want to do it? Would you burn in your heart to do that, to be with God that long? Or, maybe you need a little break from God now and then. He neither ate bread nor drank water. Oh, so no fine meal or dessert either. No gizmos, nothing to eat. Wow, could you do it? Moses did it, and he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant. The words of the covenant, the what? The what? Ten commandments. Now what does it say, the words of the covenant? Remember that, because that's going to come into play a little bit later. The words of the covenant. Okay? The ten commandments. When Moses came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been what? Talking with God. There are people that glow, and you know who they are. They light a whole room up when they come in because they've been with God. But Moses' face was different. It shone so bright that they actually had to veil his face to hang out with the people. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. Wow. Now, let's get a grip on this. Who made the sun? God did. Can you stare into the sun? If God made the sun, would he be brighter than the sun? I mean, if standing in someone's presence made you glow, and you weren't radioactive, (laughs) yeah. I wonder if there were any dust particles revealed when Moses 
stood in God's presence. What do you think? Did they talk about some things like that? That's what standing in that presence will reveal. Remember, Isaiah said, Woe is me. My mouth, my lips are unclean. Just standing in God's presence will do that to someone. 1 John 1.5 This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. While we walk in darkness. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from most sin, all sin. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.